Please accept my humble obeisances. This poem is about Krishna. It's called the Absolute. He's the pause that refreshes, clears my senses. Your soda's bundle of joy. How bountiful and beautiful he continues to be. The Absolute, the real McCoy. Forever young, he is a jewel, always sparkling and shining. My only one, day after day, so spiritually divine. I've got a second poem <clears throat> called The Wind. To be really humbled is to lose it all. No footsteps seen as the new snow falls. The Lord is the cure for anything that ails. Krishna is the wind beneath my spiritual sail. Thank you. That's all you got? Mind you said make it short. You got thirty-four minutes here. <laughs> Hi, Krishna, everybody. Back by Pickle Finger of Fate. No, by Krishna arrangement. Yeah. So, uh, when Jivananda Prabhu, I was alerted that Jivananda Prabhu was ill. Um, so, I knew he had a provocative title, so I looked on the other side of the door and it said, Fantasize, demonize, or utilize. <laughs> Jimonada likes these titles. <laughs> he knows it will draw people in to see what the heck he's talking about. <laughs> anyway, Jimonada Prabhu, thank you for the title. I decided to run with it. <laughs> like, right out of here. <laughs> okay, so, no, here's, here's what happened. Uh, that piece of news came my way. And then I got an email. Where's, uh oh, he didn't show. He's afraid to come. <laughs> it was Sham Gopal Prabhu, one of our newer devotees, and he is our community historian. So out of the, he sent me a list of 16 questions <laughs> to answer, right? So somehow or other, Jivananda's title, Fantasize, Demonize, or Utilize. I'm going to try to weave in a talk. I don't know how it's going to work. Uh, around the 16 questions. And I have full faith that we're going to come out with this beautiful transcendental tapestry, weaving these two strands together. All right. I put myself on the line. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Okay. Where's my questions? All right. In my email box. All right. But first of all, before we do the question, if you saw that title, did anybody come here tonight because of the title of the lecture? I did. I came. <laughs> Fantasize, demonize, or utilize. <coughs> Raise your hand if you can tell us what you think those imperative verbs, um, how about they have all, what, what they're, can, uh, relating to 
fantasize, demonize, or utilize about what? What's what's going on there, AJ? I think Tool Govinda has an inkling. Wait right, a minute, we have a just life in general, the life force, people do that. Yeah, that's very good. All these fantasies and some people just Yeah, existence, our existential situation, right? What? So do we fantasize about it? Do we demonize it? Or, and then the last one is the synthesis, right? Because they're like, you know, counterpoint. There's a point, fantasize, you can try to do that. Oh, life is a bowl of cherries, right? And I got all the pits. That's the demonize. Right? <laughs> you fantasize that it's it's this here is meant for me. This land is your land. This land is mine. Right? Hmm. Pete Seeger. That's right. Yeah, you can fantasize. Thank you. Let's confirm. So um, we can fantasize that we're here just to try to squeeze as much pleasure out of it as we can, or we can go sour grapes on it and say, it's no fair, you know, no fair. Life isn't fair. Or, and both both positions are actually positions of ignorance, whether we're fantasizing about what life is about or demonizing it, you don't really have a clue. But to do the last one, uh, utilize it. Now, that's going to take some knowledge that kind of takes some wisdom. So let's see if we can look at the questions that Jean Gopal gave me and see if we can find some answers that will weave those three strands into a nice little uh, synthesis. The first question is now, this can be answered in many ways. It sounds simple. Where do you currently live? <laughs> Now, you know, you can be you can be in heaven, but you can be in hell, right? Depending on your consciousness. I once lived in this paradise in South India. But it was hell, because nobody got along. It was a hell, it was a relationship hell. So even though we were living in, you know, better than the postcards and better than the, the tourist brochures, it was like this gorgeous mountain in South India, mystical mountain. No case of a recorded snake bite. I don't know about the unrecorded snake bites, but it was just, um, it was gorgeous. But we just didn't get along, so we couldn't stay. Because wherever we are, there we are, right? Wherever I am, there I am, wherever I am, wherever I am, there I go, there I am, yeah. So, where do you currently live? Okay, Tucson, Arizona. But our spiritual master, Shiva Prabhupada, says if you live in the temple and the atmosphere is uh, everyone's in a service serving mood, that is Vaikuta. No anxiety. And you don't find that in the material world. The material world means place place of anxiety. Because we never know what's going to happen next, right? That's what we say. You never know. You never know. You never know. So, yeah. So, okay. And we're going to revisit that. Where were you? Where do you currently live? It's going to come up later too. So, Iskan Tucson. It's not exactly like being in Tucson. It's like being in a lily leaf. A lily. 
lily pad. <laughs> so here we are in the desert, but even yeah. externally, the mothers and Damani and, and you know, Team Tucson, we try to create this oasis in the desert uh, for y'all, so uh, we can have a little relief from that material consciousness, externally, internally. I mean, every day I meet people when they come to Govindas, and uh, they just, either before or after or during, they just wander around. You know, during their meal, before the meal, during the meal, after that, they just, I just love to come here. So that means we're not exactly in Tucson, because it's a different atmosphere here. Yeah, it's a little embassy of the spiritual world. Where were you born? Oh, oh, that's a big question, right? <laughs> Externally? Sure, it's a simple question. Lower East Side, Manhattan, 1946, December 1st, 1248 AM. <laughs> Crossfire hurricane, right? <laughs> um, at the Beth David Hospital. Now they moved it to hospital, so I'm having an identity crisis. Right? So anyway, um, but we find out from the Bhagavad Gita. Raise your hand if you can tell us from the Bhagavad Gita, which is Krishna's, this is the manual from the very intelligent designer of this place. All about what this place is about. So anybody know where in the Bhagavad Gita it says that the soul is deathless? Second chapter, you're getting warm. I'm going to beam the verse number two. <laughs> you know about the numbers? Probably not. In the beginning? No. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's not in the middle. Anyway, there's a few places. Actually, you're right. Right in uh, text 12. Text 12, text 20. There's a lot of places, actually. Because if you read the Gita, it's, you know, it's 700 verses. So if you want the Cliff's Notes, you go right to chapter 2. It's the whole Gita in a nutshell. So 2.20. Now, if you know, you know it. So when I say the first word, then you got to help me out. Najayate riyate bhagadachin nayam bhutva bhavita bhanabhuyaha ajo nityam shashvato yam parano nahanyate hanyamane sharire. Never was there a time. No, no, that's not it. <laughs> Uh, for the soul, there was neither birth nor death at any time. He has not come into being. This is the second edition. A little different than the first edition, but it's the same. This is actually more true to Prabhupada's dictation. He has not come into being, does not come into being, and will not come into being at any time. So we have no beginning, no end. Isn't that amazing? Inconceivable to the material mind which always thinks in terms of beginnings, middles, and ends. Limits. We identify with our limited body, limited mind. So we can't conceive of that, but take it from Krishna. He is unborn, eternal, ever-existing, and primeval. Just like Krishna. Just like the sun, the example is, the sun is the source, and the sunshine is the emanation, and they're co-eternal. 
they coexist, co-relative. You can't have sun without the sunshine, you can't have sunshine without the sun. So we, being energies of the Supreme, we are co-eternal. If our beloved source, what do you call it, Jehovah, Allah, Buddha, Buddha, Brahman, Vishnu, he is not slain when the body is slain. Krishna put that here because the Gita was spoken on the eve of a war, battle, right? Big bloodbath. So where were you born? Well, this life, New York City. But in this, uh, in a writ large, as they say, it's no, no born, no birth, no death. Yeah. So what are we doing here? Hmm. There's a little question for that. Let's see if that comes up again. All right. Remember, about life, we can either fantasize or demonize or utilize. Let's keep going here. What does the name Suresh Rodas mean? By the way, after I got these questions, I emailed Sean Gopal. I said, why are you asking me these questions? <laughs> Oh, I'm going to have an online scrapbook? Oh, okay. So I got it. He's the, he's the community historian. So that's good. We need that. Actually, we need a little uh, record of, of the people. This is, we're not, this is not just a revolving door where people come and go and there's no record of their service or anything. No. This is important stuff. What does the name Suresh Rodas mean? Well, I can tell you what Prabhupada told me. And the only face-to-face -face exchange you ever had with this divine grace. He said, your name is Sureshwara. It means controller of the demigods. He put together two Sanskrit words. Sura means the celestials, the gods, the demigods. And Ishwara, controller. And you get Sureshwara. Right? And because my name means controller, then what did he say? I've told you this hundred eight times. Then what did he say? You are you are God, servants of the controller. You are Sureshwar Das. He said it was a name, Sureshwar is the name for Brahma. He's like the Vedic Adam. You know, he's the original being in the universe. Brahma, you are Sureshwar Das. So he really, Prabhupada really drew out the Das because he didn't want me to misunderstand that I was the Lord of, I, of all I survey. He didn't want me to fantasize. That this land is your land, this land is mine. No, he wanted me to understand this land belongs to Krishna, and you're simply a visitor, and you're meant to take care of whatever he's given you to take care of. We all have our little contributions to life. So das means servant, so servant of the controller. You are servant of the controller, that's what he said. Busting my illusion, right? Yeah, my, that was the counterculture days. I had given my, I had initiated myself before then, and my counterculture name, I gave myself the name Scott Free. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm free. Oh yeah, well you got to go to the bathroom. You got to go to the dentist. You got to get old. Yeah. Anyway, it's a fantasy, right? How many years have you been in Tucson? Well, this is straightforward. I can't equivocate or, or divine a higher meaning 
this, or can I? Can I think of a higher meaning? What does Tucson mean? Maybe we can. It's Spanish, right? No, it's native. It means. The Black Mountain. Yeah. Oh, So when people say Tuxa, they're and as a joke, they're actually closer to the name. <laughs> hmm, Black Mountain. I don't know if I can think of it. Well, that's pretty cosmological. I'll have to work on that. How many years have you been in Tucson? I came here in September 2016, down and out, looking for <laughs> looking for a home. <laughs> it sounds like a country western, so I know. And uh, and I wasn't driving a pickup, and I didn't have a dog or a rifle. So. Excuse me, if I step on any toes there. All right. So uh, anyway, here we have so September twenty sixteen, and then what is this? March twenty nineteen. How long have I been here? Two and a half years, minus trips. <laughs> I do trip occasionally. No, I take these teaching tours. <laughs> Who is your Diksha Guru? What the heck is a Diksha Guru anyway? Raise your hand if you can tell us. Stephen. Oh, wait a minute, we've got your room. Uh, Diksha Guru is the one who initiates you into the, uh, the, the mantra. The, the, it's not the Gopal mantra. Oh, there is one, but there is one. Gaiji. Well, that's well, yeah, that's one definition, and yeah, that's the kind of the operational definition within ISKCON. Um, but Diksha, Sanskrit, it literally means transference of knowledge. Like, if we, it's a step in, on the path back home. There's a great Rishi Yogi sage Rupa Goswami. He talks about uh, different steps to go back to Godhead. 64 principles he itemizes. And in the first 10, he talks a lot about taking shelter of a, an enlightened soul, a bona fide spiritual master. So um, the Diksha Guru is the one who actually uh, wakes you up and, and imparts transcendental knowledge into you. It's like when our Prabhupada met his spiritual master it was such a powerful experience. Prabhupada told us, he said, so I accepted him immediately. Not officially. The official ceremony didn't happen for another 11 years, in 1933. But in 1922, he met Siddhartha Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati And the Thakur so uh, woke him up that he said that was the initiation. That was the initiation, actually in my heart. And then if it's real, we don't shy away from confirming it publicly. It's kind of like love and marriage. If it's real, then there's love there. And you don't, uh, you don't, we're not, you're not unceremonious about it. You want to declare it sacredly, publicly, before the Lord, before the priest, before the well-wishers, like that. So, all right. So who is your Sushiva Prabhupada initiating me? But when I teach my Thandamacharya series, I always say, you know, my core identity is not that I'm Prabhupada's Diksha disciple. 
Because how many Diksha initiated disciples did Prabhupada have? Raise your hand. About 10,000. That's a good guess. And that, it seemed like that because he was always sending us all over the world. So we were running around in people's faces everywhere. But it was actually less than half that. And so now he's going to tell us. 4,780, give or take a few. There's some. You know, sometimes people claim <laughs> they were, they took formal diksha from Prabhupada. But that's neither here nor there, because actually, our core identities in Prabhupada's Sangha, is this Khan's Sangha, um, is that we're all Prabhupada followers, regardless of our generation, or who our diksha gurus are. He provides our core identity, our core relationship, around which all the other relationships evolve. Yeah. So, in that way, we're all connected. We're all related. That's how the family goes on. When that pivotal person who busted it wide open and brought it all to the West and all over the world, when, they, when we identify with him. Okay. Here's one. Now. If you answer this question, maybe you're ready for initiation. Who is Krishna? All right, let's hear the. Let's hear the. Uh, everybody's afraid now to raise their hand. I want to get this wrong because I'm in the. I got the wrong pew or the wrong church. <laughs> okay. I would say the supreme. That's good. Any more? But there's something specifically in Sanskrit. The word Krishna. Krishna. It's a little more specific. Anybody know what it means literally in Sanskrit? Krishna has zillions of names according to his features and what he's doing and his relationships. That's why that's why you hear so many names coming out of the devotees' mouths. You know, Gornita and Vishnu and Vishringadev and yeah, Radha Madhava. Where it's just right on the altar. There's so many names of Krishna. So Krishna means. All right, in plain English. All attractive. All attractive. Yeah. As Srila Prabhupada would tell us, if there's any meaning to the word supreme being or God, or it's that it's it's that person, that supreme consciousness who can attract us because he's unlimitedly beautiful, powerful, wealthy, famous wise you see that reflected in this world if somebody you know if you're in the presence of somebody who's really knowledgeable or really powerful or beautiful or uh, what is it wealthy you know all these are kind of opulences but they're just borrowed plumes they're just little borrowed plumes of Krishna who has all those greatnesses that's a word unlimitedly can you imagine we can't imagine being in Krishna's presence. It just knocks us out. So, who is Krishna? Yeah, that's such a universal, non-sectarian, spot-on uh, name for God. Huh? Krishna, Krishna. And that's connected to the next question. Come right in. What does the name Krishna mean? Oh, we just did that. 
How many rounds? Well, that sounds rather severe. Huh? How many rounds do you chant every day? Do you people have to chant on those beams? No, you don't have to do that. You know what that means? Who doesn't know what that means? How many rounds do you chant? Anybody not know what a round is? What's a round? You chant 16 rounds in one weekend. <laughs> Another day older and deeper in depth to Srila Prabhupada save my soul. I owe my soul to the Hari <laughs> Tennessee Ernie, no apologies for that. <laughs> All right. How many rounds? Who doesn't know what a round is? Come on. And fess up. Okay. I don't know what See, you're honest. We like that. Christian loves honesty and openness. Okay. So, um, who has the beat? You do? Okay. So could you? Okay. See so each beat. So Sachi, you want to hold the beat? Hold the... Okay. So she's holding it in her middle finger and thumb. Right? Put it in the bag. Put it in the bag. And then she's going to chant the whole, one whole mantra. So picking your nose. <laughs> Mary Sachi, I want you to chant the one whole mantra. <laughs> okay, did you hear that? That's one beat, and then you go to the next beat, and you do it again. Now, how have I been doing that for going on 49 years and not getting tired of it? How is that? I mean, if I was chanting Mary Had a Little Lamb or Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola, or Roses and Roses and Roses, I couldn't do that. But, I think the next question is, yes, the next question is, what is the pleasure in chanting? Krishna is so absolute, clever. He's so unlimited that he can invest all of his potencies, all of his forms, qualities, adventures, love, right in his names. It's like you can put a whole tree inside a seed. This is scientific. It's not simply some, you know, pie in the sky when you die or sentimental stuff. So when we chant Hare Krishna, we're actually tasting Krishna. We're talking to Krishna. We're experiencing Krishna. If we're, what's the next line? What is the pleasure of chanting? If we're hearing, <laughs> we can also do what Mary Sachi just did and just be at the movies. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare 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 Rama. And first and ten on Notre Dame's, you know, we can be watching the Super Bowl or the college football and be chanting, so-called chanting Hare Krishna, and not hear one name. That's not chanting. But when we actually tune in, lend our ears, to Krishna, then we actually experience Krishna. That's how the Hare Krishna people, that's why we're always chanting. It's portable meditation. You can take Krishna anywhere and everywhere. 
even in the New York subways. Yeah, and you gotta be internal then because you can't hear a blessed thing, <laughs> right? So, all right. So we're not fantasizing about this world and we're not complaining. Let's see if there's any complaining things. Yeah, what is the pleasure of chanting? Well, I don't experience any pleasure. Someone could say that. Well, there's a certain mood we have to chant. Prabhupada says, we have to chant Hare Krishna like a child crying for its mother. And that takes some realization. When does a child cry for its mother? When it's when the child finds itself what? Disorder. Yeah, in distress. Right. As long as I fantasize and I think this world is just hunky-dory, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream, merrily, 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 life is but a dream. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we may die. One, two, three, four, what are we fighting for? Don't ask me, I don't give a damn. Next stop is Vietnam. If we, as long as we think that the whole purpose of life is to squeeze some paltry pleasure out of our you know, material body and mind, we can't be in the right mood to hear. See how scientific, <laughs> see how scientific it is. We have to even be in the right mood. It's a science of consciousness. So what is the pleasure in chanting hearing Krishna? Think, Krishna says in the 14th chapter, I am the seed giving father. Can you imagine? We've run away from Krishna. What are we doing here? We're fantasizing that we can somehow be independent of Krishna, just like our, uh, somebody runs away from home and uh, and the parents say the father is thinking about the child day and night. You know, we think we're suffering in this material world. What do you think? How do you think Krishna feels? Well, Why'd you run away? Doesn't want us to suffer. But that's what we do. We make our own bed, we lie in it, and we complain that it's Krishna's fault. Oh. Dumb. Um, when, when did you take first and second initiation? So in our Iskan Sangha, actually in our starting with Prabhupada's spiritual master, uh, around the turn of the century, they tweaked initiation, if you will. They made it a two-step process. Traditionally, in India, for village India, for thousands of years, there was a village guru, and he just initiated you. You know, for you, you agreed to follow certain disciplines of bhakti, uh, the path of love, and uh, that was it. But because in this age, what's the age of what? Quarrel, hypocrisy, hypocrisy, right? darkness. Uh, the cheating propensity is very strong. So beginning with Srila Bhakti Siddhanta, he turned the initiation process into a two-step process. First, he just gave the name. That was the Maha Mantra. And then when the, the candidate for going home uh, had proven him or herself, then they would be given the Gayatri mantra, which brings one nearer to Krishna, qualifies one to serve the deity form of Krishna. Two-step process. So, what did you first, what did you take first? And so, it was July 71. Wow. Long time ago. Huh? 
first initiation in Detroit, Michigan. And then in our first ISKCON farm was called New Vrindavan in February 1972, six months later. So, do you have a favorite verse that you've memorized? I thought you'd never ask. So here we go, maybe this will, I have a hunch this is gonna tie us up here, but it's fantasize, demonize, and utilize. How are we doing here? Oh. Um, well. All right, I mean, it's not, there's so many verses, right? It's like asking me what's my favorite Beatles song or, or Christmas carol, or, you know, it depends on your mood, right? The mood dictates the what pops into your mind. So my favorite uh, for just reminding me about my existential condition of being pure spirit soul, but constantly being surrounded by ever-changing, dense and subtle matter, right? So there's a verse like this, right in the second chapter, right after um, the first verse about how we're eternal, 213, you know 213? You should know these books like a lawyer knows his law books. So you're going to quote chapter verse, right? Or like the Christian knows his Bible. Or the Imam knows the Quran. So uh, 213, if you know the verse. Right? 213? Keep it around here. Dehino smin. Plain English. As the embodied spirit soul continuously passes. So just take the day no smith. We are embodied souls. It's not that we are bodies and we have souls, but we're souls and we're circumstantially surrounded by these material costumes. And why do they all look different? Why do I see men, women, black, white, young, older? Why do I see that? Why do I see different kinds of bodies? What do they represent? Raise your hand. The dress, but why do we have these different dresses? What do these different dresses represent? The state of our desire. Yes. We propose, God disposes. So, say I'm a spirit and all I want to do is surf all day. Hey, there's better bodies than human bodies to do that. Porpoise, dolphin, they're the best surfers. So, that's all I do. We just had one man pass away. So, yeah, so as the embodied soul, we're all embodied souls with different bodies according to how we desire to try to enjoy this material world this time around. Continuously, that means every second. People will say, well, I don't believe in reincarnation. Well, guess what? Even while I'm saying that, I'm reincarnating, refleshing, I'm getting refleshed. It's not a sentimental statement it's, it's, or a sectarian statement. It's a scientific statement. As the embodied soul continuously, it means nonstop. Uh, how's it go? Passes in this body from childhood to youth to old age. I mean, all of us can remember stuff. 
right? Because memory is a function of consciousness. Yeah, I can remember being in my, not being in my mother's home. I can remember waking, I remember uh, looking down my parents' apartment in Stuyvesant Town in the Lower East Side of New York City and being absolutely terrified because it was the Big Apple and it was, the vibration was scary. It was 13 stories up and there were gangs running around. It's a little better now, actually. So, so I was in a little boy's body, two, three years old, where'd that body go? Medical science tells us every second the cells are changing. Every seven years, they replace themselves, or depending on the organ. So uh, that was many bodies to go, according to the Gita, that I had that experience. Yeah. Seven times, oh boy, I've been through ten incarnations in this life. <laughs> it's, uh, I like to call it, uh, uh, what is it? Intra-life reincarnation. We, we all experience incarnation, reincarnation uh, in this life many times. Doesn't it seem like a different life when you think about your, I mean, those of us who are a little on years, seemed like another life. Well, guess what it was. Okay, and Komara, the childhood, the youth, okay. Similarly, the soul passes into another body at death. So death is just another change. That's all. It's not the end. It's the end and it's the beginning. Because time is cyclical. Life is cyclical. And according to the quality of our consciousness, when we leave the body, we reap another body. And that's not decided by us. That's decided by higher authorities, people who observe or observe this. Okay. Um... And then dearest tatra namuryati, the sober people, people who don't, who don't who don't identify with all the changes constantly, but identify with the soul within, the spirit within, the consciousness within. Dearest tatra namuryati, the sober people are not bewildered by these changes. So that's my favorite verse right now. <laughs> but there's so many. Okay, and then we're going to wrap it up here. Fantasize, demonize. Let's see. Let's let's pick a demonize verse. Uh, Krishna, he can he can impersonate everybody because he knows our consciousness and he can do it all. So he can impersonate. Uh, let's see. Pravrtting cha, nivrtting cha. Janana Vidurasura, the Shocham Napichacharo, the Satyam, Teshu Vidrate. Those who are demoniac, when we can fall under the sway of dark, you know, modes. Those who are demoniac do not know what is to be done and what is not to be done. Neither cleanliness, nor proper behavior, nor truthfulness is found in them. Yeah. So if we. If we are so unlucky to pass away from this world in that kind of consciousness, either we forfeit the human form, that's really unfortunate, or we keep the human form, but we go way down to the lower neighborhoods in the cosmos, and it's really, I mean, even in this planet, 
Shukadev Goswami, one of the great rishis in the Bhagavatam, says, look, you don't believe these descriptions I'm giving you about hellish planets, hellish places? Look around on this earth right now. You're going to find right now there's somebody being tortured, there's somebody being burned alive. You don't believe it? Or there's somebody enjoying celestial pleasures, you know, on some island or in a yacht or some, you know, some fantasy. Yeah. Okay. We're coming to the end. If you could convey one message to a person who was unfamiliar with the practice of devotional service, what would you say? Just add Krishna. We're already serving, right? We're already serving our hunger, our thirst, our families. Our... So just add Krishna, and then you make your service yoga. You give back to the source, and you're no longer accruing karma. It's a very art and science of, of how to work, how to, how to be. I'm just going to real quickly now. Just... Okay. All right. What are some qualities of Krishna that you love? I love how kind Krishna is. What are some of the challenges associated with living in a temple? I don't, I get spoiled. I don't realize how lucky I am. What are some of the successes associated with living in a temple that people remind you when RT is coming up? Right? Are there, are there any current projects you're excited about? Yes, editing the Founder Acharya series with Govindamana Prabhu. Who is my dear editor and friend? Let's hear it for Govindamana Prabhu. <laughs> okay, and now we get to chant and dance. Not in a ballroom, not you know, in a disco joint. We're going to chant and dance for Krishna. And therefore, go back with every step brings us back together. Thank you very much.